You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. their game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa tomorrow night. We're going to have Chris Johnson on with us in the next five or so minutes to go around the league a bit and talk a little Leafs. Uh, it feels so weird. Like There's just been so many games lately that when, when there's not a game day, the day after that there wasn't a game, it's two days off. What, what is this world? That did not exist in November. No, November was crazy. Like It was wild, the fact that they played, what were they, 11-1-3? So that's, what, 14 games in 30 days. They essentially played, they were playing every other night. There was like a couple of back-to-back sprinkled in there. And we were talking about this before getting on the show. Like I wonder how much, but I wonder if that's kind of what's going on here. We're, we're going to have... Um, you know, someone joined the show from out in uh, in Tampa Bay. So Brian Engblom will join us in the one o'clock hour, and I'll be curious to see what he thinks is going on with those guys. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. It's it's hard to when a team has the benefit of the doubt the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning do. It's so hard to I don't know get too nitpicky with them because they have other guys who are picking up the slack. Stamkos like, on that nine game point months, streak, and Stamkos has been unreal. Yeah, like they've had a couple of guys who are doing great, but it's more so the Vasilevskis of the world and going on with the Victor goalies. Hedman, it's Paul. going on with the goalies of yeah. the world. There was there was last year we'd sit here and say there's three goalies in the league who you could trust to play every night, and they were Markstrom, they were Shesterkin. It was Markstrom Shesterkin. Actually, that's not true because Hellebuck had had a bad year but last he year. He did so, have a bad year, so he yeah. kind of fell off. So he fell off a little bit. He's like, been better Marshall again this year. Shesterkin and Vasilevsky. And this year, they've all been a little bit of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately, they have been. And uh, Markstrom, even yesterday, came out and flat out said, like, nah, I suck. Like, I'm, I'm bad at hockey I'm right bad now. I'm hockey right now. What a quote. It's tough. Like, goaltending, goaltending has been uh, a bit of an issue around the NHL. And surprisingly, yeah. it's not been an issue in Toronto. Though. Call an ambulance. Like, call an ambulance. But not for me, because well, the Leafs have goaltending. They, they don't. Like, it was supposed to be, it was the biggest question mark coming into the season, coming off of the offseason that it was, completely revamped the goaltending situation. They brought in Curtis Samford to replace Steve Briere. They brought in two brand new goaltenders um, who are coming off of down seasons. And there was a lot of question marks. It was a big gamble by Kyle Dubas. But uh, when you look around the, the, the league, goaltending is probably one of the strengths right now for Toronto in comparison to what's going on. On in, in other places, which is not something I expected to be saying the first couple of days of December. Not at all. No. Let's bring in our TSN hockey insider, Chris Johnston. CJ, we're in the midst of, of talking about goalies and uh, the situation in which the Leafs find themselves. So many teams just dying, starving for goaltending right now. And the team that everybody had circled uh, that might be in trouble coming into the season with goaltending in the Leafs just seems to be rolling right along. Yeah, I mean, just. A reminder that we should watch the games, right? We can't just uh, game them out ahead of time. Um, you know, the one thing I would say as a, as a small just piece of context, though, is the Leafs were in a similar spot at you know when we got to December first, oh, December second yeah. last year, and uh, the second half wasn't nearly as kind in the goaltending department. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm not saying that history will repeat itself, or that Matt Murray or Elias Samsonov or, or, or both are going to fall off a cliff, but you know there's still a long way to go. But you know, give those guys credit; they, they've been good. I, I, I take there's no, there's nothing really to, to punch any holes in. It's unfortunate both uh, have dealt with some injuries and, you know, have had to, to spend some time on the sidelines. But when they've been in the net, uh, they've more than done a, a capable enough job to, to give this team comfort in them. 
Well, it's it's a bit of a loaded question, but like we we're just talking about how yes, Toronto's in a good spot. They've been happy with their goaltending, but a lot of other clubs have not been. I mean, Edmonton's right up at the top of the list with Jack Campbell. We just saw Cal Peterson get waived in his first of a three-year deal, oh, yeah. getting paid five million bucks. Bobrovsky's essentially a ten million dollar backup. I mean, if Vasilevsky's not playing up to his standards, uh, bleep Sturkin is now a, a commonly used <laughs> phrase in New York. I mean, why do you think we're seeing so many goaltenders who have been pretty good in the past kind of struggling out of the gate right now? Well, you know, it is a position that has a variance of performance. You know, that, that's nothing new, uh, other than the absolute top guys. You know, Carey Price in his prime, say, or. or you know, if you go back far enough, Patrick Waugh. I mean, you know, some of those players were, were consistently great year after year after year, Dominic Kasich. But, you know, in their era, the, the, the players sort of behind them in the pecking order did sort of, you know, have one great year, one so-so year. You know, you can't always count on it. I think the other thing we're seeing, though, league-wide is, I mean, we've seen a, a shift towards offensive play in the league, right? And, and um, you know, you, you watch the way the Leafs play, for example, I saw a clip with Steve Eisenman uh, yeah. answered mm-hmm. this question a little bit, but you know how they at least rotate all over the zone, right? It's, it's not a traditional setup that's easily defended, and obviously Toronto has elite players. Uh, other teams are doing something similar. I mean, scoring is up huge in the NHL last season and this year. Uh, I mean, we just had a nine-eight game on Tuesday night in, in this league. So um, I think I think that the job of goaltending is tougher because the the job of defending isn't being done as well. That, that you know we've sort of shifted to more offensive play, you know, defensemen in particular being freed up to make plays. And, and you know, we have a number of skilled, uh, you know, guys that play that position in the league. And, and so, and, and the fact that it's just, it's a hard position, you know, year over year. I mean, so much of the goalie's performance, though, is team related. Um, you know, you put the you put the best goalie in the league behind the worst team, you know, we might actually have that in a, to a degree. I mean, Carter Hart's been one of the best goalies in the league this year. Yeah. Right. And, and the Flyers, the Flyers haven't won many games, right? So, um you know, it, it, it's it, it's a complicated thing, but look, it's a question that a lot of the contenders are wrestling with because there's no question it's played a role in what's going on in, in, a, in a place like Edmonton, even Calgary, right? And Jacob Markstrom last night said, you know, I suck at hockey right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why the Flames and Oilers are battling for a playoff spot instead of, you know, at the top of the Pacific Division. You think this might create kind of a, a shift in the way general managers look at the goaltending position and the way that guys who've been so reliable year after year have, I don't want to say fall off, but it's an unpredictable position. I've been liking what Pierre Lebrun's been putting out about goaltending. It seems like every time he... I, but, just, just to pick yeah. up on that, and, and I want to credit maybe Kyle Dubas. We can bring him into the into the fold. Right. Like CJ, it, it's been reported that a big reason why he decided to go with the Matt Murray deal is because it was a shorter term deal. He didn't want to necessarily, you know, look as long term with with uh, with Jack Campbell. So I wonder if that's something that more teams will start doing, just seeing the volatility with that position. Well, I think the smart teams have already been doing it, honestly, and I and I consider the Leafs to be a smart team or a smartly run front office. Uh, look, look at Colorado. They let Darcy Kemper walk out the door after you know they only had him for one season, and the guy was was in net for them to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but he was also in a similar position to Jack Campbell, and where he was you know capable of, of demanding you know a long term deal at at big money, and that was too much risk for for the Avalanche to take on. Uh, you know they allowed him to walk out. They they, they traded for Alexander Gorgiev and have him sign to a shorter deal. So. You know, I, I do think that it's it's best not to lock in too long term unless maybe you feel like you have, uh, you know, an Andre Vasilevsky, for example, who signed a long term deal in Tampa, and that's 
that's worked out pretty well for the Lightning just because he's, he's you know, at or among the best goalies every year uh, at his, you know, in, in the league. But um, I think it's it's smart to, to, to keep it shorter term. But, the, of course, there's two ways of looking at that. I mean, it, it can work as it has so far in Toronto, but then, you know, you might get in a position where if, this, if it works this long, I mean, maybe Elias Samsonov's moving on for <laughs> right. that big money, big year deal next year, and then you got to try to find the next one. But that's that's part of the challenge that we've seen Kyle Dubas actually, you know, manage in a couple different places, his forward group in particular, too. Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider, and CJ, the Leafs are rolling right now. They're they're playing some real sal- solid sound hockey, and it, it, we were talking about this yesterday. But we just seem to be talking about so many historic moments that we've been treated to over the last two seasons. I mean, there was Austin's chase down of, of Rick Vive, and then it was okay. Can he get sixty? 50 within a 50 game span and you know just a couple of nights ago we were treated to Mitch Marner making history with 18 straight games with a point I mean you've been you grew up a fan of this team you've been covering this team for for so long I mean what what does what you're seeing right now how does that stack up to the many many Leafs teams and eras that you've uh, been a part of well I'd say it was unexpectedly cool for me I guess on Wednesday night watching that just because you know, Mitch Marner, and I don't blame him for this, but he'd sort of downplayed the significance of this this point streak at, at times when given the opportunity to speak about it. You know, I was at the morning skate Wednesday morning. He didn't get the feeling it was something being emphasized too much by, you know, his teammates or even, you know, Sheldon Keith. But then when the rubber met the road and there's two minutes left in the game and the Leafs have a 2-1 lead, uh, you know, Mitch Marner was, I presume, getting the last two minutes with the empty net to, to get a chance to go for it. And you just saw the way... The guys reacted. I mean, Austin Matthews in particular, I just thought, you know, he's so stoic most of the time. And, and he looked legitimately fired up on the bench after Marner hit the empty net and, and seeing that celebration and, of course, the behind-the-scenes stuff in the dressing room that the team put out. I mean, it, it's clear that I, I do think in a long season, good teams need stuff like this, you know, something to rally around. I think in, in a strange way, even though it's it's a personal mark that, that you know, Mitch Marner's name will go in the record book that, you know, it's sort of a team accomplishment to a certain degree, and I think it's something everyone can feel good about. And, you know, obviously a reflection, too, of how important Mitch is to the team, how, how well-liked he is uh, by his teammates. Um, you know, I didn't expect sort of that outburst of emotion, maybe, um, just because, you know, I didn't get the feeling that it was such a big deal for them. And, you know, kind of sets up nicely for, for tomorrow night because he's got a chance to, to set a new mark, and, you know, based on what we saw when he got to the 18 games, that they're going to be pushing hard to yeah. help him get to 19. That's our TSN Hockey Insider, Chris Johnson. And while we're talking about Mitch Marner, we're looking at lines from this morning. It looks like, uh, so after Yarncroft went down in that game earlier this week, Matthews and Marner had a little moment of reunion. Looks like they're split up again uh, at practice today. How long of a run do you think that'll get? It seems like everything's just clicking so well right now. Yeah, I mean, look, they still see some shifts together. They're still together in the power play. I think yeah. as long as... The team scoring, which you know, by and large, they have been uh, through November with with this great team run. That that you know, there's not a lot of compelling reason to to put it together. And you know, we know that Sheldon Keith mixes, mixes and matches. And I, I think ultimately, none of us will be surprised when they're sort of permanently back together at some point in the future. It just, you know, I think that the only question is how long that takes. If this keeps working, uh, don't mess with it. Uh, but you know, the minute maybe that, that things get a bit stale offensively, you know, I think it's something that, that the coaching staff is comfortable going back to. And, you know, it's it's such a crazy year with, with the injuries, with, you know, the, the defense being the way it is, even 
know, the goaltending to this point, and you know, even Cali Arncroft there was just getting a, a chance in the top six uh, yeah. before he went out with his injury, and I heard he's going to be somewhere 10, 10 days to two weeks on, on the sidelines, so maybe that's Nick Robertson's music to get a longer run uh, you know, in this lineup. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Nick Robertson, huge opportunity for him. It's it's uh, kind of, well, the Leafs were doing really well. It was kind of the only thing people could complain about, that Nick Robertson wasn't in the lineup, and, and boy, <laughs> did it get some airtime. Uh, how big of an opportunity is this for Nick Robertson to solidify himself as a everyday NHL player? I, I think it's pretty big. I mean, look, he still won't know 100% for sure that he's in every night. You know, they yeah. still have Wayne Simmons with the team. You know, there's still an extra forward there, but... You know, I do think it, it obviously opens up a hole where he doesn't have to be thinking that every mistake is going to result in him being stable to the bench. You know, I, I've kind of wondered a little bit with Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Liljegren playing so well, you know, since since the injuries have come on, if, you know, it's been a little freeing for them mentally, knowing that the team really needs them. Certainly they're getting a lot more ice time and opportunity uh, and, and allowing them to play more free. I mean, perhaps that's something that, that Nick Robertson could, could sort of you on here, um, you know, just with the team down a forward, you know, played some big minutes. It, you know, it does require him to, to play a little bit more, and I, and I don't think he's maybe quite as endangered from, from leaving every night. You know, there, there could be an opportunity now for a lineup that, that features both him and Dennis Mulligan, um, you know, playing each game. And so, you know, there's, there's a window of opportunity, but, you know, he's, he's still got to go out and earn it, right? He's, he's still proving himself to a certain degree at this level. I think when you heard people complaining or, or wondering about the strategy, the, the, the sort of one of the points that was being made is, well, let's see a run of it. You know, I think that now, you know, two weeks is not a huge run, but, you know, there's going to be five or six games here where, you know, unless something unexpected happens, I think he, he can count on playing most of those games. Speaking to Blue Line, TJ, it sounds as though, uh, according to what's going on at Morning Skate today, Brody um, is going to be practicing with the team but not expected to play during this two-game road trip. So he'll be out for, I guess, uh, another week or so, it sounds like. But when he returns and when this team is fully healthy, I mean, how do you expect for you know these D pairs to, to shake out? Would you expect for maybe Brody and, and Riley to get right back together and they could be that? And then just given how these guys have played geo hall the two kids you just mentioned like how much more comfortable do you think you feel with this group's defense today than you did maybe a month ago um coming off that california road trip well i'd say much more comfortable because it's it looks so good i think it's a result of team play as well um you know the injuries get everyone's attention and and you know the leafs have, have done a nice job as a group getting through and you know they almost seem like they have a good problem on their hands right now and, and i say that tongue-in-cheek but you know mac hallwell's come in and given them some minutes and you know put up some points here the last couple games and, and you know so he's potentially an option for them obviously victor mete's down there i mean those those would be the first two guys i would think a danger of leaving the lineup once once the leafs get more healthy and you know maybe you've got a sandy and Lilligren third pair instead of a second pair you know as, as it sort of stands right now um, but you know, it's it's this blue line's depth has I think answered the call pretty well under the circumstances. You know, they're they're down four four guys right now, plus you know the top three defensemen by by ice time and pay on the team, uh, and the, they've just kept on rolling. And so that's that's what good teams do. We've seen other good teams in the past do it, and and you know obviously we'll be talking more. But this is the deadline gets in the air. I still expect them to to add something to the blue line, but. It's, it's pretty clear they have a number of different options that they can lean on, and I think that that's 
one of the small positives when you run into this injury trouble is you, you kind of have no choice but to play these guys more and to try some some people like Matt Hollowell who'd never played an NHL game. And I think so far you can at least feel good that you know that those are your seventh or eighth or ninth options. Uh, that they're, they're, they're players you can count on uh, if, if injuries come again down the road. Yeah, I guess that's what you see from teams that win. Tampa Bay, good example. Their opponent tomorrow night won that first Stanley Cup without their star, Steven Stamkos, in the lineup for a lot of it. Uh, and that's who they have tomorrow night, CJ, for the first time since the drama of Game 7 and hmm. the handshake line commentary. Um, is there... Like they'll they'll come out and tell us that there's not more to the game tomorrow night versus Tampa Bay, but how much do you think that game seven loss is still weighing on the Leafs right now? I don't know if it's just game seven, but I, I do think it's natural for any team to to measure themselves against the Lightning. I mean, this is still a a group that went to the last three Stanley Cup Finals and won two of them, and you know, in the Leafs' case, they they also eliminated them from the playoffs last year, and so you know. One game doesn't tell you everything, but I think if you're the Leafs, you're 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 trying to gauge your progress versus that team because it's it's very likely given this playoff format that if you want to have a long playoff run, which of course they do, that they're probably going to see Tampa again at some point in time. Um, you know, the Lightning have got off to a little bit more of a mixed start uh, to this season, but I I'm not sure in a case where you have such a veteran team that's had so much success that that matters as much. Um, you know, whereas you know I think for Toronto, of course. Finishing as high up the standings is important, sort of proving yourself yet again, finding your game. I think the Lightning can have a certain amount of comfort uh, knowing that if they get in, even if they're starting games on the road or what have you, that they're, they're a good enough team to, to get it done when it really matters. And so nothing will be fully proven or, or discovered in a game like this, but I do think that it's natural that to see you know, how you match up. I mean, both teams have had some changes in the offseason, right? Tampa lost Andre Palat, traded away Ryan McDonough. Um, you know, the Leafs have, have shaken things up and don't have a full lineup. So it's it's versions of the same teams, and, and the Leafs know that ultimately they have to be better than the Lightning come April or May if they're going to get to where they want to go. We're chatting with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider, and it looks like Matt Murray has been named the starter for that game tomorrow. And, and I'm curious, CJ, what you think is going to be the most ideal way that the Maple Leafs can handle this goaltending tandem with both both guys seemingly playing some pretty solid, uh, solid and sound hockey. And healthy. Yeah, yes. I mean, close. certainly if they're both playing as well, I think 50-50-ish makes sense. You know, I, I don't I don't see any reason to run with only one guy. I have no problem if Sheldon Keefe wants to change goaltenders, as he is in this case, uh, after a win. Um, you know, I, I think that when you have true comfort in two players, you know, managing their workload, uh, keeping it to roughly half starts each makes a whole lot of sense. Now, if, if one of them sees a decline in their play and the other is still, you know, ticking along at 920 or what have you, say percentage-wise, then I think you can adjust as you go. But, you know, like, let's look at Matt Murray's history. I mean, not just the last couple of years in Ottawa, but even if you look at his time in Pittsburgh, you know, he wasn't playing 50 games every season. So, you know, he's, he's been more of a 40-game type of, of goaltender. Um, you know, Ilya Samsonov is, is a little newer in his career, but, but he doesn't have a huge track record either of, of handling the load the way that we used to say see Freddie Anderson, you know, play 65 games at times in the regular season. And so I, I think this is moving generally as a league way more towards like true 50-50 starters. And, and I think the Leafs have a luxury right now of, of two healthy players that are performing well. So you might as well just keep alternating them. Yeah, Steph did us the little treat of writing down the Leafs goaltender tandem since 1516. 
And it, I don't know if we've ever felt nervous about Leafs goaltending. Like Bernier Reimer, Anderson McElhaney, Anderson Sparks, Anderson Hutchinson Campbell, Anderson Campbell, Campbell Mrazek, and then this year it's Murray Samsonov. I, I, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I don't know. It looks really good right now, CJ. Um, and just well, before- it's going to give us lots of debate as the playoffs get closer, oh, right? Imagine God. if it, imagine if it keeps going like this, and there's no clear number one among the two of them, and we. That'll be lots of fodder for us as we get towards April. Yes, well, that 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 was, but like that was Murray's bread and butter, right? That's why he was brought in. Right. He's a guy who has had playoff success. So if they can work their way into the playoffs, I would be curious to see how it does actually unfold. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. The playoffs <laughs> are so far away, but like we've never really truly seen a tandem playoff approach really i mean I, I think we might have seen something like that in carolina a couple of years ago but well flurry flurry and murray in pittsburgh in their cup years were a little bit like that that was more so didn't flurry just completely flake though so they had to move on to murray and they just kind of wrote a hot hand type of way as opposed to like a tandem yeah and it was performance related too yeah. you're right but but still but. like it was it was two cups one with both guys playing sort of a meaningful number of games. I mean, yeah. even last year, Kemper and Franco's, yeah. you know, I think Franco's won six or seven games. Now that was because Kemper got injured, but still, you know, I think we're, we're, it's more common to see two goalies used um, in a playoff series. But you're right, maybe not approached as a tandem. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, that works out. Again, that's a long ways away. There's a lot of hockey in between now and then, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I guess it's just how it goes, though, because all year it's like the, everything is for the playoffs, and now when things are going really well, it's hard not to think about, okay, when are the playoffs yeah, now that things are going well? <laughs> uh, CJ, just before we let you go, uh, news in the NHL yesterday, Alex Formenton did not sign by the 5 p.m. deadline uh, with the Ottawa Senators. What are his options now? Well, they're pretty limited. Yeah. You know, he in terms of playing this season, he can't play in, in the NHL no matter what shakes out. Even if Ottawa traded him today to another team and he signed a contract, he, he wouldn't be eligible to play this season. So, you know, I would presume he'll be looking for somewhere to go in Europe for the short term and, you know, play out the year there. And then from that point, he's got to look for a job next summer between, you know, if he's, if he's not going to be a senator, um, you know, between his agent and, and the team, they're going to have to find – a new landing spot for him, but you know this is this is a new one. Uh, we haven't seen very many players that are in his his shoes. I mean, he scored 18 goals last year as a restricted free agent, not signed by the December 1st deadline, uh, and so he's he's in slightly uncharted waters. Um, and so you know, I, I would think you know, while I have no indication yet from anyone official that he'll be seeking a, a job in Europe and and go from there. All right, CJ, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us as always, and uh, enjoy your weekend, pal. Yeah, have a great weekend. I'm looking forward to Lightning Leafs on Saturday night. That'll be a good one. It will be. It will be. Hopefully history can be made with Mitch Marner going for his 19th consecutive game with a point. Uh, There he goes. Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider. I hope he gets it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Something about, I don't know, Tampa's been... uh, a lightning rod, if you will, for for point milestones. Uh, who who just got there? I think Bergeron got his thousandth point against what was that on the lightning against too? the lightning, and go. then Stammer got his the other last night. And 
maybe Mitch will continue the the, the milestone trend. trend. Yeah, yeah, that'd be I, nice. That'd be nice. I'm really grasping at straws with that one, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey, that's what we gotta do sometimes. Yep. Here, that's what we gotta do. We got two hours to film. Sometimes we grasp at straws. <laughs> that's what it's all about. But you said something about lightning. We got to get into something that you showed me earlier today that just boggles my mind. It's got to do with with Drew Brees and some lightning. We'll get into it uh, in a little bit. But we got a fun show uh, ready to go. We got Leafy's coming up. Brian Engblom from out in uh, in Tampa, and then Nick Alberga going to join us also in the one o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Bad news has it again. Now. Back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Just keep it safe. Whoever's been healthy, they've put up solid goaltending numbers. So, so far, that gamble from Kyle Dubas, it has to be noted because everyone was hard on him when he, he, he added these two guys in the summer. So far, what I believe was the greatest gamble of the offseason and goal of all the goalies that changed teams has absolutely worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's see about this durability and let's see how this goes over at two games of the playoffs. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. That was our TSN Hockey Insider Pierre Lebrun in overdrive yesterday talking about the fact that Kyle Dubas's gamble ultimately to this point on December 2nd, 2022 has worked out. And our other TSN uh, hockey insider, Chris Johnson, did caution us and say, hold on, like the, <laughs> the Leafs goaltending did kind of look like that. Actually, like I think Mrazek was injured at Campbell this point last year. Campbell looked like that but, last year. But Campbell There's was rolling well. Yeah, there was one That's guy. That's true. We might have, we could have pushed back on him a little bit there because they have 50% more goalies <laughs> this year than they did. <laughs> Well, and like last, last year. year, I think Michael Hutchinson, I believe, had to make a start. Oh, you're so I think well. it was a start against San Jose, and and he let in like five yeah. goals. They lost, and you know the third goal Wall here, was in there. Once? Joseph Wall, but Joseph Wall got a shutout, so that right. was all good. We're not going to clown on yeah. Joey Wall. He played well, but Eric Chalgren even has played you know pretty solid hockey. Yeah. Two sixty-seven goals against. Seventy-five percent more goaltenders. Are we comfortable yeah, to go there? Right? Like like sixty <laughs> percent better goaltending, I guess if we want to. But like I, I think that we're taking a look at it right now, and you know Samsonov in nine twenty-four save percentage at two hundred nine goals against. Matt Murray at nine twenty-seven save percentage and a two forty-four goals against. I mean, if you're going in there and you're only allowing two-ish goals a game. With the offense that this team has, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to win a heck of a lot of hockey games this year if this continues. A heck of a lot of hockey games. Yeah, especially, it was looking dicey a bit at the beginning of the year when the scoring wasn't coming. They still weren't allowing a whole bunch. it was going to come, right? Yeah, it's really easy to say that comfortably now. Like, we were all sweating a little bit there. No, we weren't. (laughs) Come on. I felt a little sweaty. You didn't think you thought Austin Matthews was going to stay at 3% shooting. You didn't Don't think Mitch right Barner was going to score. Don't yell at me on a Friday. Well, I mean, who, we did we did we, we knew it was going to come, but it was out. just we like about this it was uncomfortable. Course. We can't act like it wasn't uncomfortable to be oh, there when sure. day after day it was, day, it was like, "Oh yeah, they're they're only allowing 3, but they're only scoring 2." Like that was just an uncomfortable period for a team that's supposed to score goals. Their yes. their goaltending was looking fine, though they were going down injured a whole bunch. They Actually, at the beginning of the season, they were allowing a whole bunch. Anyways, it was uncomfortable. But here they are scoring a whole bunch, and and that is very still hot. I want to pick up on something that we were chatting about with, with CJ. Um, 
And, and we kind of talked about this with Kevin Woodley the other day, and, and I – we, we we asked about what he thinks the ideal time split is, and he said probably as close to a 50-50 as possible. I think uh, Mike Johnson said something similarly yesterday on First Up, and Kevin Woodley told us the same thing when he joined us the other day. And, and I'm is nobody concerned? Not con- like concern might not be the the right word, but I look at it and I think to myself, okay, these guys are playing exceptionally well hockey right now. But they've been doing it because they're in a rhythm and they're in a groove because they're playing every single night as the guy. And we're talking about... I don't know if I... Yeah. But we're talking about how Nick Robertson needs to play games to get into a rhythm and get into a groove. We're talking about how Sandy and Lilligren have been able to play themselves into the status that they have been because they're getting that time and they're getting into a rhythm and a groove. Why isn't that the same with goaltending? I, Why can they only play once a week and, and people think that it'll be like... I don't know. Maybe I'm off base here. But I feel like playing each other every other game, like, could that potentially throw off the rhythm or the groove of these guys who all season long, due to the injury to one another, have been able to run with the number one job and play consecutively, and that's where they've had that success. Okay, so I see where you're coming from, but goaltenders play 60 minutes. Both of these guys have injury concerns. Matt Murray, the most games that he's played in his career was 50, and that was in I, 1890. I, under, I, I understand why they're yeah. doing it for the injury thing. But I'm saying that but. I don't think it's a goalie versus player thing. I think it's a pretty individual player-to-player, goalie-to-goalie thing as opposed to an overarching player thing or an overarching goalie thing. Like right now, people in Edmonton are saying in between cursing Jack Campbell for everything he's worth, they're saying that he probably, because they're paying him so much money, has to play his way out of whatever he's going through. And we've seen him do yeah. that before, kind of. He played his way out of a really well, last, tough stretch in the, in playoffs, the second half of the season. Then he picked it up and looked pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah. So we've seen him play his way through that sort of thing before. I, I know what you mean in that it kind of seems like a double standard, but when you look at these two individuals and you actually examine the specific okay this is how many Ilya Samsonov has played 44 games that's the most games in a year he's ever played and that was last year and it was a bad year for him he he was playing better when he was playing 26 30 20 19 games a season so when you look at the individual characters I think it makes a little bit more sense as opposed to just looking at um the overarching overarching story like Nick Robertson is a player and he's a goal scorer and if he's not getting good touches it's hard to build confidence. And these guys are confident right now. It's not like they're they're losing a game by six goals and getting demolished and then having to sit on the bench for a week, right? No, yeah, and, and, and it makes sense in that regard. I just hope that, you know, by if they end up having to sit for six or seven days, that it doesn't ruin their rhythm. Like if they do sit for six and seven days and then they give up a five spot and then they don't get the net back again, for maybe four or five days, you know, what's that going to be like? Yeah, you know I don't what know. I mean. Like one, ba- I, 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 hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they can yeah. continue to push each other, and this internal competition can work, and the time off and, and rest on their bodies can actually fuel them to become better. It was just a thought that I had, just thinking, you know, the, just the success that the success that they've had so far this year has been playing consecutive games, and if they veer away from that process and away from that schedule. Is is that going to alter their play at all? That that's ultimately like what I'm wondering, and we'll find out, right? Like Samsonov played well the other night, but he's not getting a second consecutive start. Going to Matt Murray, 
So we'll see next time he plays. Does that affect his play at all? Just kind of like that's that's something that I think is a question that will be answered over the course of the next couple of months here. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that this no, is just, you don't think that they're tan. They're both tandem guys. No, I get. I I, I the over like if uh, I can understand if they both like have if you a pull split. Vasilevsky out of the net and which has been happening lately. But I'm thinking of like a guy when they're at their best who's rolling, and then all of a sudden they they just get yanked, and the reasoning is, oh, we've got to get the other guy going. That would be upsetting. But the plan here is these guys got to lean on one another and got to be a team. And it seems like they like one another too, which yeah, I think lends to a little bit. For me, it's maybe give them like three games, and then you get a guy, get him a couple games. I don't know. Maybe, like, then the other guy gets really cold. It, yeah, I guess it's it's it'll be interesting. We'll we'll have to kind of keep an eye and see how it goes. But yeah, um, I, it, it hasn't been a problem yet, right? So far, so good. Uh, all right, let's take a break here. On the other side, got some awards to hand out. We got the Leafies coming up. Uh, Brian Engblom from Tampa will join us at 105. We'll get back into the game tomorrow night. And then Nick Alberga going to join us at 125. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tasheri. We're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Honor. Prestige. A celebration of the waitress tripped on the cord. Presenting the Leafies, a celebration of Leafness. What am I going to do with the award? Nothing. That's the least of my concerns right now. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. What award are we giving you for what you just did? <laughs> what award? Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid <laughs> cards. Available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. For your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card, text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. I don't know what why I just did that, but I had my hood on on my hoodie, and then I kind of forgot that it was up, and I put my headset back on. <laughs> it was just the face you made. You looked at me. Well, like, I, I caught a glance of the way I looked in the, in the, <laughs> in the reflection mirror, yeah. of the mirror, and it was horrifying stuff, and you got to sit here and look at it all day. It's kind of funny. Um, the Leafies, the Leafies. It's such a great week to have the Leafies, except it's kind of a hard week to have the Leafies also because the team is playing well, but Mitch Marner is playing out of control right now, so yeah. it's hard not to hand him all the Leafies. Uh, we absolutely couldn't not hand him the Dougie. He's been the Leafs' best player. We've had a lot of conversations about him being the engine of this team. 18-game uh, point streak, looking to make a franchise record 19 tomorrow night. What else can What else can we say about Mitch Marner right now? Mitch, we love you. As well as he's playing offensively he's playing just as well defensively yeah i think that's something that we can we can add into that conversation yeah it's 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 impressive that he's got 18 straight games with a point um but it's just equally as impressive to what he's doing on the other end of the rink like when, when we had uh when we had mike kelly on he was breaking down his defensive stats and this guy's top 10 and, and pretty well in a lot of defensive categories amongst forwards. Yeah. So uh, that's equally as impressive to me. So, you know, that's 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 the embodiment of the Dougie, the killer instinct there um, of killer himself. So he 100% is getting our Dougie this week as the best all-around player uh, that the Maple Leafs have on their roster. It's uh, it's Mitch Marner, at least this week. We're giving it to, to Mitchie Marner. Isn't it fun when we have options for the Sandine? 
like there's so many great sorry the sundean i don't know why i keep i did that last <laughs> week too <laughs> i'm just the, the swedish guys are throwing me i guess the sundean yeah so the player made a game-changing dynamic play it's almost like our play of the week there's a couple of options there's been some really really cool good strong entertaining you know energetic plays that we've seen one that didn't result in a goal, which we I don't know if we actually got into it, but it kind of made the rounds on social media. Like I don't know if I even noticed it live as it was happening, but uh, there was this really cool play in Detroit where Mitch Marner I don't know, just gave the old almost like a wide receiver quarterback type of situation where Sandy had the puck in behind the net and Marner just went streaking down the ice yeah. and put his hand up and said, hey, I got this. Put it off the boards right to me and led to a really good scoring opportunity for, for Marner and he ended up getting up to uh, to Yarncroft. It didn't result in a goal. There were sick chances. But it was like, just really cool. Like, yeah. it was, it's, it's not something I guess you see, or maybe we do see it often, but um, I think Mete was talking about that, how he was calling for it there, and he thought it was hilarious that he was calling for it from a Mete. Well, the guy was like at center ice, yeah, and, and Sandine was behind the net, and he's like, "Hey, boss, give it to me." When Put you're feeling it, up. you're feeling it, and yeah. he is feeling it right now. But that's exactly how wide receivers do it with their quarterbacks. It's like if they're on a go route and they feel like they're m- making separation, getting open, they just toss their hand up, saying, ah, "Give me the ball." That's exactly what uh, Marner did. I thought it was pretty. Pretty neat to see, but we, we we had a couple other plays that I think we could toss um, into the mix here as as award winners. I want to give some love to Mac Hollowell, my yeah. Niagara boy. I saw you got Shout added out. to the Sioux Greyhounds Hall of Fame today, Wall of Fame. Did he? Yep. Oh, good for uh, good for Mac. I think they slap all the sense. NHL players up there. Well, so it's basically the Maple Leafs Wall of Fame. Is that right? Uh, yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, that's a great point. <laughs> um, but the the goal that Matthew scored the other night, the, just the IQ of Mac Hollowell to uh, put that puck on his tape, bit of a shot pass, slap pass type of thing, and then redirect for uh, Austin Matthews to to open the scoring against the Sharks. Like, that was a really solid play. And even Austin Matthews, after the game, said that's a really high IQ play for him to see the opening there, see my stick, and, you know, for us to connect on that and it to to result in a goal. So shout-out to my boy, Mac Holloway. Let's give him uh, let's give him his Sundin Award this week. Yeah, beauty. Um, the Carlisle Reimer, just okay player. Um, I never like to dog on Alex Kerfoot, but he's been quiet the past week, so I think this is a fair one. But the reason I don't like to dog on him, maybe, is because, um, and you know what, it might this with Yarn Croak out this week, it might result in an Alex Kerfoot resurgence. Because generally, when there's a hole to plug, he is the wine cork that's getting stuck in there and he we always appreciate him so much in these moments so it almost feels blasphemous though, though we're going to do it anyways to give him the just okay player because we feel in our chest that when they they're going to need a hole plug somewhere in the lineup this week it's going to be him that plugs it he's flex seal you see those commercials where they just oh yeah a, a leak and this guy just slaps the flex seal yes on the, on he's the, that on the boat that's sinking it's wild sheldon keith <laughs> Just uses him exactly like that. Yeah, Kerfoot is the Maple Leafs flex seal. That's what it is. <sighs> that is That's hilarious. what he is. Um, funny enough, though, like I was, we were thinking about this. He has two pretty important assists, though. He had the he got the assist off of the the Engvall goal, right? Um, just off of the rebound, off of Kerfoot's rebound, and then did make the defensive play to make sure he got the puck up to Mitch Marner for the. Uh, empty netter that extended this streak yeah but oh, outside of those couple of plays he's been a little yeah throughout quiet. The, the, yeah. The, the week so that's 
quite literally the uh, the just okay player. All right, I think we might have time for maybe let's do a couple of these O dog ones. I want to make sure we get to the O dog because these yeah, these are like some of our favorites. Them. We miss them sometimes, and we got a couple here. So this is quote of the week. Why don't we start? We'll go out west. Yeah. We kind of talked about these comments, but let's hear from the man himself, Jacob Markstrom. Not playing great hockey right now. This is what he had to say about his own performance. Take us through what happened on that opening goal. You no, I thought I think everybody saw what happened, and you know it's not a good play. What was it with uh, Josh Anderson on that play? Uh, nothing really. I just suck at hockey right now. Uh, do you, what? What can you do to, to, to get better? Work harder. Work harder. Stop more pucks. Work harder, stop more pucks. Yeah, that's probably a good idea as a goaltender. Stop more pucks. Yeah, that's all you can. Couple other ones. Samsonov is a quote machine. Yeah. He is, I feel like he's flying under the radar right now because people are still reeling from the loss of Jack Campbell being a quote machine. But don't sleep on Ilya because he has some good ones. Uh, And he's also a fortune teller. (laughs) You called it yesterday. You knew it was going to do it. Yeah, I know, I know. I look to the future. <laughs> How much longer can he go? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, almost 50, yeah. <laughs> I, believe, I believe so. <laughs> oh, almost 50 games for Mitch Marner. Almost apparently. 50. That's so he won't to. quite break the Gretzky one, but almost in, in the clairvoyant eyes. What's Gretzky's of, record? I think it's like 52 or 53. Uh, when I looked up, uh, I, I was poking around just to see who holds the record for longest points yeah. in the NHL with everything going on with Mitch. And Gretzky's is at like 53. It's one of those records. Like, yeah, okay. But Probably he's, one that'll never be broken. Yeah, he's got yeah. five or something in the top ten of the longest point streaks in the NHL, as you would probably expect. I Nobody called me out on this, but in the doc yesterday, when we did uh, pieces of historical significance and we did our, our Thursday three-pack, Yeah. I had Brian Leach's goal from, I think it was April 18th, 1998 or 99. Nobody called me out on it. I had it as my honorable mention, so we never actually got to it. But oh. it was a cheeky, cheeky pick to have that goal, that puck in particular. Do you know why? No. Because that was Wayne Gretzky's final point in the NHL. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That is cheeky. That okay. was cheeky. Nice. Uh, do we have what time for one more here, Owen? Do we have time to play the Matthews one? Because this one was pretty good, too. This is Matthews after uh, Mitch Marner needed three attempts. Three, not one, not two, but three attempts at an open net to set the record the other night. This was him kind of clowning on him a little bit. Just, yeah, a little bit of a sigh of relief. I mean, like I said, like the first uh, two tries were just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> just put it in the net and let's go home, you know? Like, let's get this over with. And um, so, yeah, we were just we were having some fun there, just laughing. And just, uh, like I said, just really happy that uh, it ended up going in. And he could try and make it 19 tomorrow. Hopefully it doesn't take till the final minute for him to do it. I don't want to sweat like that again. Yeah, no. And uh, so they'll take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. Uh, on the other side, we'll be joined by Brian Engblom, former NHLer and Lightning color analyst. We'll get into that game. Nick Alberga going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour as well. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Second hour of Leafs Lunch coming up next.